But here's the harsh reality. Things change. You got to keep moving. Unless you're okay with the mediocre. Unless you're okay with the normal. Unless you're okay with the regular. That's fine. You shouldn't even be listening to me anyway. I'm probably going to offend you. But if you're interested in greatness, if you're interested in going to the next level, these are the things you want to be studying. These are the things you want to be paying attention to. You just clicked in to the Get Your Money Right podcast, the podcast where not only do we want you to get your money, we want you to get your money right. This is episode number 38. We talk about the sneakiest wealth killer of them all, inflation. Let's get What's the good news, people? Welcome, 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 welcome to the Get Your Money Right Podcast, the podcast where we talk about money like it's everybody's business, because I truly believe if we're not good with money, it's because we don't talk about money, and this show is designed to change just that. I am your host, The Money Misfit, Jamar Dupas, and this is episode number 38. Man, we're having a lot of fun, and today we're going to continue our talk well, we started a couple episodes ago in episode number 36 about the four silent financial killers. And last week we took a deeper dive into the first one, which is taxes. And today we're going to take another deep dive into probably the most silent and the most deadliest of all things that steal and rob and destroy your wealth. And that is inflation. And it's one of those things that nobody talks about. So we're going to talk about it, right? Um, This is your first time tuning in. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I do appreciate you being here. Um, This is a different type of personal finance podcast. We talk about money as it relates to real life. We don't really get into the whole Wall Street jargon. We don't talk about, you know, what what stock picks you're going to have this week. We're not really caring much about what Coca-Cola is doing in Bangladesh or any of that other stuff. We may care a little bit, but we're going to talk about money, how it relates to you and how you can use it to build your the life of your dreams, to raise amazing children, to grow your marriage, to go see the world and all that good stuff. So that's how we talk about money here. If you want to find out more about what we do and how we do it, make sure you head over to our website over at yourmoneyright.com. That's yourmoneyright.com. Consider joining us on our movement, on our journey to getting our money right. Uh, with that being said, it's been a crazy week. Right. We got a brand new president elect, uh, Mr. Donald Trump, only in America, only in America could this happen that we elect Donald Trump. And there's a lot of people losing their minds over this. And there's a lot of good old boys really excited (laughs) about this as well. Me personally, well, you know me, the beat goes on. Still got the same rules, got the same game plan in place. We're going to keep marching, keep going forward, uh, keep going to get our money right. Because no matter how you feel about the situation, how you feel about the economy, how you feel about the social activities, how you feel about the riots, the marches, the peaceful protests, 
how you feel about the Supreme Court justices, how you feel about anything. One of the most important parts of having your great quality of life and your ability to impact this country is your ability to take care of you and your home first. Right. So you can have the wherewithal and the freedom to go out and participate in these marches if you want to. The freedom to go out and talk to your senators and your congresspeople. They'll go out and have the freedom to say to your employer who's getting on your nerves, you know what, not today. To go out and have the freedom to create some influence. To go out and have the freedom to go create a business or a nonprofit or a movement that is within something that you believe in. And all of that starts or all of that is impeded if you can't get your money right. Right. Even if you're using somebody else's money, you still got to be a good steward of it because it's all somebody else's money anyway. So with that being said, I'm not going to get into the whole Donald Trump thing. Maybe we'll do a bonus episode because there are some things I do want to say. But today is not the episode about that. Today is not about me. Today is about you uh, and how inflation affects us, our wealth building attempts. And why is it that we can't really seem to get ahead? If you feel like that, uh, this episode may enlighten you, right? So before we get into the inflation, we got to get into the quote of the day. And today's quote comes from your boy, former president Ronald Reagan. And it states, when a business or an individual spends more than it makes, it goes bankrupt. When government does it, it sends you the bill. And when government does it for 40 years, the bill comes in two ways, higher taxes and inflation. Former President Ronald Reagan says Mr. Inflation himself. A lot of people profess that he was this great president, but this guy was a big spender, and uh, he is one of the big reasons why we have a lot of inflation, uh, and have had a lot of inflation since the 1980s. And I got a feeling that, I know I wasn't going to talk much about Trump, but I got a feeling that we're going to have the same things with President Trump, because he's got a lot, a lot of, a lot of promises on the table. Uh, he talks a lot about infrastructure building, which is kind of Obama was talking about that as well building the walls and bringing jobs back and cutting taxes. You got to pay for that somehow. But anyway, that's the quote of the day. So let's talk about inflation. For those of you who have not listened to the past uh, episode, episode number 36, I'll give you a real quick rundown of what inflation is and what it's not. Uh, a lot of people consider inflation to be the increase in prices of goods, right? The when things that you buy cost more money, right? And that's not actually inflation. That is the result of inflation. Inflation is when the money supply is increased. Uh, I have been asked a couple of times, actually, you know, why don't we just print money to help the poor or to pay student loans or you know, to build the things we need to do. The government could just print money if it wanted to. Why doesn't it just do that? Well, I used to think the same thing. It's like, it was stupid. Why don't you just make the money and then we could do whatever we want to do? Well, that's not exactly how this thing works. Because so what happens is you have, you've heard before about the idea of supply and demand, right? 
when you have a certain amount of supply, but not a whole lot of demand for it, that supply is not worth very much. But we don't have very much supply, but you got a whole lot of demand. That supply, since there's in so much demand, but there's very few of it, what happens is the supply becomes more expensive. For example, when the new J's come out, right? You go to your local Foot Locker or whatever the case may be, and they only got two pairs or four pairs or whatever, however many pairs it is, but you got 100 people standing in line. Well, what happens is you got the same amount of money or more dollars chasing fewer goods. Those fewer goods become more valuable, right? So if Jordan wanted to make his shoes, let's say, more affordable, what he could do is mass produce them or make more of them. Or if he didn't want people standing in line all the time, what he could do is have more uh, Jordans at a store than in that one given time, those mornings that it come out, right? Because that's what happens when you got the same amount of dollars or more dollars chasing the same amount of goods, what can happen is person A and person B, they can bid up that thing. I use the example of when we were trying to buy our house, right? When we were trying to buy our house, it took us, it seemed like forever to buy our house because at the time the market was hot and we were looking in really good neighborhoods and things like that. And we kept getting outbid on houses. Why? Because what was happening is a lot of people who, especially like California, they would sell a house in California. They would come to Texas because housing down here is so cheap. So they would come with these big cash offers and they look at this 2000 square foot house and they're like, oh my goodness, that 2000 square foot house, I can have that for 200,000. You know what? I'm going to give you 250. I know you only asking for 200, but I'm going to give you 250 because I got it right. When you got more money chasing fewer goods, you actually end up bidding up prices and that's how prices actually end up going higher. That and the fact that you got more, you got more dollars in the system, right? Because what happens is also when there's more dollars in the system, the dollars that's in the system become less valuable. Uh, if you can look at what a can of Coke used to cost in 1950 versus 1980 versus today, right? If you look at what a house used to cost, I think my grandmother bought her house. I think like uh, her and my uh, grandfather bought their house for like $10,000 or $7,000 or something like that back in the 50s or 60s or whatever. Today, that same house is well into the hundreds, if not $200,000. Right. We talked about this before in 1980, a six figured gig. Right. If you had six figures in 1980, you was the man. Right. If you making 100 K in the 80s, you were the man or the woman. You know, shout out to the ladies. Today, 100 grand ain't doing it. Ain't doing much. Right. You can still after taxes and everything. You only take it home by like 60 or 70. And if you're paying off your student loans and stuff like that, that's another you know, 20,000 a year, whatever it is. Uh, so today, if you were to make 19, if you make a hundred thousand dollars back in 1980 to match the same thing, you need to make almost 300 grand, right. To live the same lifestyle, to be able to buy the same things. Right. And that's just in accordance to the, the government numbers, which they change and they recalculate all the time to make themselves look good. And so they don't run out of money in social security very fast because how they adjust social security is uh, they calculate what they call the CPI, the Consumer Price Index. And from time to time, they'll exclude things that went up in price higher than others. Like if bread went up more than everything else, they'll take bread out. If oil went up more than everything else, they'll take oil out. They take it to where it makes it look good. It's kind of like the unemployment numbers. Unemployment numbers aren't calculated by actually how many people don't have jobs. 
It's calculated by people who actually don't have jobs but are still looking for jobs and not necessarily the people who've been looking for jobs for like three years. Because once you kind of been looking for a job for ever so long, they drop you out of the system. Right. So that's neither here nor there. Back to inflation. But that's basically what inflation is. When you got more money in in the system uh, chasing the same amount of goods, these goods go up in price. And this is why you can't just. Uh, the government just can't just print money, right? Because the more money it prints, it does print money. Let me say it just can't. A lot of people ask me, why can't you do it to, to feed the poor and things like that? It, it can do that. But what happens is, again, when you have more money in the system, it makes everything else cost more money, right? And it actually hurts the poor more than anybody else. So if you're on a fixed income and things go up, let's say, you know, your necessities go up by 10 to 20 percent. That's going to hurt somebody who's poor more than it's going to hurt somebody who's got a bunch of money. Right. Because, you know, a loaf of bread ain't that much for them. But if somebody who don't have much money, but they got miles to feed and they need maybe one or two, three, four, five loaves of bread a week, that that 10 or 20 percent increase is 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 extensive and expensive. I talked about it before being expensive, being broke. Right. Uh, it's expensive when the cost of living goes up and your income is not keeping up with it. And I've also been asked, well, why doesn't the income keep up with it? Why, why do prices move up faster than wages? Well, it's real simple. Inflation only helps the people. Well, it helps the people who gets the money the first, right? So first is the government and inflation helps the government first. And then it helps the big banks because they're the first ones to receive the money. So how we actually produce money is not necessarily that we put, turn on a machine and we're printing money, uh, printing dollars out of a machine, which we do do that. The Mint does do that. But the way that we introduce money into the, into the market, into, the, into the, the economy, we have what's called the Federal Reserve. Now, the Federal Reserve is so-called a, a bank that a lot of people believe is like the United States Bank. It's the United States Central Bank. Which it is, but it's not actually federal. It's not actually part of the government. It's kind of private, so to speak. And we really don't know who runs it, right? We really don't know who owns it. There's some speculation, but we really don't know. But what they do is they have the ability to make money, to create money. Uh, And what they do is when the government needs more money or when they're trying to stimulate the economy, they'll go buy government bonds, right? This is how we get into more debt. Because every time money is created, we create more debt because money in itself today is debt, right? You've heard people talk about how we owe China all this money. We owe all these other countries all this money. We owe the Federal Reserve all this money. How we owe them all this money is because they buy U.S. Treasury bonds. And when they buy U.S. Treasury bonds, it gives the United States government more money to, to, to make purchases and put into the system. Right. But this money has to be paid back because it's a bond. Just like if you and me were to buy a bond, say I buy a bond and they say, okay, this is a U.S. government bond. You will get two percent back in 10 years if you purchase this bond. Now, the government used to raise these used to take these bonds to pay for wars and to pay for goods and things like that back in the day. Um, But now they just kind of just well, they still do it, but it's at a greater and a more massive scale. Right. So that's how we end up getting more debt. It's a weird cycle, right? And I don't really have a fix for it or anything like that. I'm just explaining to you how it works, right? And how it relates to us. So the people who benefits the most from inflation or first from inflation are first is first the government. And then it's the big banks because they get the money first and they can loan that money out. 
And then the people who actually have outstanding loans, they benefit from inflation. And you say, well, how is that possible that having debt, do you benefit from inflation by having debt? Well, remember I said the more and more money that's in the system, the weaker and weaker that dollar becomes, right? The, the cheaper, the, the less power it has. So what happens is if you owe money to somebody else, right? And that dollar is worth less today or it's worth more today than it will be in 10 years. It's technically cheaper for me to pay you back that loan 10 years from now. I'm actually destroying the value of what I owe you by inflating the economy. And that's one way the government is trying to help itself with all the debt that it has by making the dollar by devaluing the dollar. And making the debt cheaper to service, so to speak. All right. And I hope that makes sense. Uh, I try not to be too technical on here, but I try to hope hopefully that makes sense and pay that paint that picture. Right. So so basically that's what that's what inflation is. It's basically when there's more money in the system than there are goods and there this money keeps flowing in the system faster than there are goods and things go up in price as a result. Right. Loaf of bread goes up. Uh, apples go up. Uh, cars go up, right? In 1980, you can get a car for what seven thousand, six thousand dollars today. Thirty five thousand. 1980, you can get a house for about fifty to sixty thousand dollars today. And the average house is what two, two fifty, something like that. I don't have the exact numbers, but you can look all that stuff up. And I think we talked about this before in another episode. So you can see how uh, when they inflate, the inflation itself is what creates the increased uh, prices. And the reason why your wages don't catch up with it, because it's a slow trickle down effect, right? You've heard about trickle down economics. (laughs) The problem is it trickles down slowly uh, when it comes to increasing our wages. Why? Because a lot of times companies can't increase the wages because they're still trying to pay off the debt that they've been borrowing for the past 10, 20, 30 years. It's been real attractive to borrow money over the last 10 to 15 years because interest rates have been super low, right? Money has been cheap. It's been cheap. So there is no incentive for people to uh, pay off these loans because they've been cheap. But what happens when interest rates start going up, a lot of people are going to find out they've been swimming butt naked, right? Because when these interest rates start going up and these bills start coming due, we're going to go into a recession, Actually, we'll probably end up going in recession before then, which was probably fairly soon coming up. So be prepared for that. But if you're doing all the things we're talking about and if you're paying attention to to these podcasts, you're going to be prepared for it. Right. Um, Inflations. I mean, uh, recessions come. Right. They come all the time. These are not, you know, just these random occurrences. The next uh, the next recession is going to be harder than the last one. Okay. Uh, and I'm not trying to scare anybody, but just trying to give you a heads up, trying, trying to be realistic with you, because a lot of people won't tell you this. Uh, a lot of people won't tell you this because a lot of people don't know or they don't want to face the fact. But here's the sweet part about recessions. Recessions are when new millionaires are made. Right. Those of us, those misfits of us who are prepared for the next recession are the ones that are going to benefit the most. Why? Because in a recession, the cost of things, especially assets, they come down in price, i.e. housing, right? Stock market. These things come down in price. So they're on sale. And what happens in these recessions is you'll see a lot of these big companies 
They'll they'll be sitting on cash. A lot of them are sitting on cash and that cash today. That's how I know a recession is coming. Right. A lot of these big companies are sitting on cash and they're waiting for the next crash. And when the next crash comes in, they move in and buy all these assets up for cheap. Right. We should be doing the same things. But in order to do that, you got to get yourself prepared. You still live in check to check. You got to stop that. If you don't have any money set aside uh, for rainy days for your contingencies, you got to stop that. If you're not con- continuously uh, and regularly putting money aside for opportunities, you got to start doing that. Right. But you first got to first handle what you do, what you do have, what you got coming in today. That's why that's important. Right. Because that's one of the keys of keeping up and surpassing inflation. Right. So. Um, let me give you a couple more, uh, examples of inflation and what inflation does so we can kind of get some r- real world context, right? Of what, what happens when you flood a bunch of money in a particular market, right? Because there's, there's big markets, there's a global market, there's our country, there's our global, there's a global market. There's a, the market just right here in the United States, uh, in your state may have its own market in your neighborhood may have its own market. In the different sector, sections, they, sectors, they have their own market, like the housing market, the student loan market, the stock market, things like that, right? So everybody remembers the housing market crashing back in 2008 and the banking crisis that happened back in 2008. And now a lot of that was related. And we blamed a lot of that on greedy banks, right? But... We got also have to look at where did the banks get the power to do the things that they did and where they got emboldened to take these risks is from the government. Right. So the government wanted to ensure that everybody that we increase home ownership across the country. Well, why did they want to increase home ownership across the country? Because if you can get people to buy homes, you can stimulate the economy. Right. Because when you buy a home, there are so many other people you affect when you purchase a home. Right. It's not just you. It's the realtor. It's the it's the closing. It's the closing companies. It's the lawyers. It's the plumbers. It's the HOAs. It's the city. It's the taxes, the, the, the city taxes, the property taxes. It's all these these other entities that benefit when you buy a home. Right. So they want you to buy a home. And the government was like, well, you know, we got to get more people buying homes because um, we need more people buying homes. Right. Because they feel like it's good for the economy. It's great for your personal economy. If you can buy a home, especially a home that you can afford to own and keep up and maintain. Um, So they wanted you to buy a house. So what they did is they told the banks, hey, look, we need you to go out and buy. uh, We need you to go out and loan this money to these people. And there's also going to be some people out there that don't necessarily qualify under the qualify qualify under the traditional lending principles. So what we need you to do is reach out to them. You got to reach out to the disenfranchised people and get them to buy houses and get them into houses. And what we'll do, if you go out and take these risks, we will guarantee your risk by guaranteeing those loans. Right. So when you can do that, when the government gives you a guarantee, like, look, you can't lose. Guess what happens? Everybody wants to get into the real estate game. You could talk to anybody that you know that's been in the mortgage game. That was in a mortgage game for 2008 and they was cleaning up. Right. They was living on the high hog. They were making money hand over fist. Why? Because it was no risk for them. Right. The government guaranteed that, look, if you go out and loan these, these people this money, don't worry about it. We got your back. 
right? The, the FHA loans and things like that, all they needed was three, 3.5% down. Some people had no money down deals. There was all kind of things going on. Now, what happens from that is Wall Street found a uh, another way to kind of to let their greed get, get even worse. Uh, and they start taking these bad loans that they knew were bad and chopping them up into these little packages and selling them to each other's uh, on. Uh, they would sell them in packages that they call securities. Right. And then they would place bets on them and bets on bets on top of those and insurance policies and bets on top of those. And that's how we got this whole derivative market thing you hear about. But when people start to realize that people won't be able to buy these houses, uh, afford these houses, that's when things start to fall apart. Why? Remember, we talked about when this when more dollars into the market for the same amount of goods, it drives up prices. So housing prices were going up exponentially faster than they should have been. When somebody only makes $30,000 a year, but they were buying half a million dollar houses, it should have gave somebody a clue, but they were getting approved for these loans anyway. You can even today, right? Like I remember when we were buying our house a couple of years ago, it was after 2008. So it was just a couple of years ago, you know, we were being approved for these, these amounts of mortgages. Like, man, I don't want no mortgage that big. I don't make that much money. So it's still happening. They'll still give you a house for a whole lot. There's it's a little bit more difficult now. But things are starting to change. You're starting to hear those no money down or low money down deals now on the radio again. Right. So you got to be careful of those. Look, these are the type of clues that will hint you off to what's happening in the economy. But anyway, since the government guaranteed that money, all this money start flooding into the housing market. And then eventually, uh, eventually what, what happens is created what they call a bubble. And then eventually the bubble popped. The same thing with student loans, not student loans, but with tuition. Right. And tuition start going up sky high because the government got behind the student loan game. They basically guarantee universities customers for life. Right. Why? Because they said to the students and they said to the parents, you know what? No child should not have to be able to afford to go to college. We're going to get behind and guarantee these student loans so a child can afford to go to college. We want to make school affordable. Now, mind you. Anytime the government says they're going to make something affordable, be prepared for it not to be affordable. This is no shade at Obama, right? Uh, You know, I love Obama. I'm going to miss him being gone. But anytime the government gets behind that and say things are going to be affordable, just raise an eyebrow at that. And and just my antennas go off anyway, right? Because affordable housing uh, was the whole point of the whole housing market thing, right? And then making schools and education affordable for all students, what they did was they entered the bank so they can guarantee the bank's uh, loans, right? You should be getting, you should be uh, seeing a pattern here, right? With our government and big banks and insurance companies and yada, yada, yada. But anyway, that's when, when the government got behind student loans is when tuition starts skyrocketing through the roof, Right? Same thing with healthcare costs. This year we got we just got word that healthcare uh, insurance and premiums are going up by at least twenty five percent. Right, that's pretty serious. Why? Well, the government got into the insurance game. Now they disguised this and said they're giving everybody health care, but health insurance does not equate to health care. Right, just like affordable education and student loans are not the same thing. Right. Just like mortgages 
that you can qualify for and affordable housing is not the same thing. Now, they may call it one thing, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's the same thing. And that's how they sell us on a lot of this stuff. Right. And I believe, especially like with the healthcare bill and with the housing and with the student loans, that they were looking out for our best interest. Right. It started off with great intentions. But let's face it. A lot of our politicians are bought off by big government, uh, by big, big companies, uh, bank, Wall Street, the insurance companies. I mean, the insurance companies themselves wrote the Affordable Care Act. Right. They guaranteed themselves customers. And if you weren't going to be a customer, you got to pay a fine. Right. So, you know, I don't know necessarily know the fix to it. Right. I don't know if, if it needs to be fixed. I'm just pointing these things out from my perspective just using the facts and using the numbers and using these things, these anecdotal evidence that I've seen uh, ever since I've been paying attention to the to money and how the government works and all that good stuff. Right. So what can we expect moving forward? Right. Do we expect things to get cheaper or do we expect the things to get more expensive, so to speak? Do we expect prices to keep rising? Well, in general, prices will continue to rise. Uh, things will get more expensive over time. That's just the way things go, especially since that's how our monetary monetary policies are now. Ever since 1971, when they took us off the gold standard, uh, it allowed us to be able to kind of borrow money at our uh, at our pleasure. And what happens when you borrow money to live on a high hog today? What happens is someday that money comes due and you have to sacrifice later. Right. Just like if you get on buy something with a credit card. Right. A credit card allows you to buy something today to have more than you can afford today. But then someday you got you can only take uh, less than you can afford because you got to pay back what you owe uh, when you put that money on a credit card, especially if you do it over, you know, finance it over several months or several years or whatever. Excuse me. So we can expect that things will go up. Uh, just pretty much just how they have been doing for the last 30, 40, 50 years or so. Right. So what do we do about that? How can we beat that? Knowing this information, how can we stay on top of that? Right. Because um, we have to stay on top of it if you want to get your money right. Right. If you don't want to get your money right. You, well, you wouldn't be listening to this podcast. Right. So I'm not going to talk like that. Right. Um, this is also one of the reasons why I said that your job is a temporary fix to a permanent problem because you always need to be increasing uh, your productivity. The more you can produce, the faster you can, the faster you can move, and the faster you can move, the smaller the problem of inflation becomes for you, right? But the problem is when you uh, working for someone else, um, especially on the low end of the the job scale, you are the last person to get the rewards. Right. Because remember, we talked about inflation. When the money comes into the system, the government benefits first. Then it's the banks. Then it's the people that the banks loan to. And then, you know, it kind of rolls down from there. Right. And usually the employee um, is the last person uh, if they ever <laughs> get their wages increased. Right. Um, so if you're working for somebody for wages, remember that you have very little control over your pay. Right. So therefore, you have very little control over how your income uh, is affected by inflation. In fact, you have no control whatsoever unless you are a upward mobility type person. If you're continuously growing, continuously moving up in your career, especially if you are making yourself one of those people that are 
uh, hard or impossible to live without, right? If you go in there and you're a rainmaker, uh, if you are a salesperson, you're a marketing guy, if you're an idea person, if you're a person that is just so valuable to your company that they just cannot get rid of you, then for the most part, your skills will take care of you, right? Your gifts will make room for you, right? Working for somebody else. Um, especially if you get in with people who are in the startup game, uh, I've seen a lot of people make the startup game work for them. Now there's a little bit more risk, so to speak, but risk is in the eye of the beholder, right? And risk is not actually in the vehicle, but in the person that's operating a vehicle. Um, so you always want to be moving upwards. If you're making $50,000 now, you need to play a plan for make a hundred thousand dollars and then you need a plan for 200,000, then for half a million, then for a million, Right. You have to do that if you want to stay on top of this thing, right? One of the best ways you could do that, we talked about this before in, in the last week's taxation deal, is make sure that you know what's going on with your taxes and pay the minimum required for taxes because we said that taxes take up to 30 to 50% of your income, right? So if you got taxes taking up 30 to 50% of your income and inflation eating away at your in- income as it is, you really don't need any more stuff kind of hanging on to you, right? Um, especially if you're trying to live your life to the fullest. You want to make sure you can stay on top of that. We also talked about last week is one of the ways you could lower your taxes and also one of the ways you could beat inflation is through entrepreneurship, starting your own business. Now, a lot of people are afraid of the concept of entrepreneurship. Also, understand that you're already an entrepreneur, right? Because all an entrepreneur is is someone that solves problems, right? The person that you are working for is paying you because you are solving a problem for them. If you weren't solving a problem for them, they would not be paying you. That's all entrepreneurship is. You don't go to Target or to the store or buy things from anybody unless they are giving you a service or a product or a feeling that benefits you. Right. That solves your problems because that's how we exchange. If you focus on that idea of being a uh, producer and being somebody that solves problems in the marketplace, you would also understand that your transition from where you are to entrepreneurship or even if you are in entrepreneurship, if you are in entrepreneurship and you want to go to the next level in entrepreneurship, it's just being able to provide more value for more people. Right. Providing more impact. That's higher in value. That's all entrepreneurship is. So if you work for somebody else now, you are an entrepreneur. Now, you're not taking on as much risk, so to speak, as let's say your boss did at the time. Or maybe you are really now that I think about it. Now that I'm saying that these days, because jobs don't last 30, 40, 50 years like they used to. Right. So depending on somebody else to pay your to pay your wages is pretty risky these days. Right. Especially with a recession coming. <laughs> so uh, I, I, you are an entrepreneur. I stand by what I was saying before. So don't be afraid of that word. Just understand it's just takes, it's, it just takes a little shift in your mindset to understand that you are just serving people, which you're already doing, right? Now, when you go into entrepreneurship, the benefit of that is there are tax benefits. The government wants you to do that. Right. So this is one of the first times I tell you to listen to what the government wants you to do. They want you to go into business for yourself because small businesses are the ones that employ majority of the country. Right. Um, And when you own a small business, you don't have to worry about inflation so much. 
Well, you do, but you don't have to worry about it so much because you control your income, right? There's no ceiling on your income when you're in control of the payroll, right? So if the government will give you tax breaks and you can control your money, right? You can control the price of your goods. Being an entrepreneur, owning your own business, even if it's part-time, even if it's on a side gig, it's just the smart thing to do. Now, what other things can you do to beat inflation? You can lighten your load. There's a concept called anti-fragility and how you make yourself not fragile to the ebbs and flows of life. Right. Um, There's um, some people they 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 have lower lower expenses. Right. So, for example, when we bought our house, we wanted to make sure our house was a lot less expensive than what we could afford. Why? Well, one. We wanted to be able to travel the world. We wanted to be able to go out. We wanted to be able to do things that we wanted to do. We want to be able to raise kids, uh, have a have a family the size that we have. Uh, we have three kids. And by the way, we've got another one on the way. That's that's for y'all, uh, for my podcast listen. We ain't even told nobody else that. But we do have baby number four, which will probably be the last one. But anyway, we got baby number four on the way. Um, so shout out to us. But anyway... So we wanted to have children. We wanted to go out and see things. My wife loves the arts. We wanted to go out and travel. We wanted to be able to, uh, at the drop of a dime, go see family, which my wife's family is not here in Texas, things like that at any given moment. But we knew that if I bought too much house, if we bought too much house, that that would be a heavy weight to carry around. If we wanted to go live in South Africa for six months, but we got this $3,000 a month mortgage with this huge house we got to upkeep, that's going to be uh, pretty tough to, to go away from our house for that long if we got this big weight on our shoulders. Right. So we focus a lot on keeping ourselves lean when it comes to our expenses. Now, we do. We're not one of these people that think you should shrink and cut back on everything. We spend money on luxuries. We love to spend money. We're both spenders. I said it before. I think everybody's a spender. They just You know, savers are spenders who are afraid to spend. And if you set certain things in place for them, they will spend just like everybody else. Right. But uh, we want to make sure we are not uh, fragile uh, to the ebbs and flows of the economy. If my job were to lay me off, do I have skills? Do I have money set aside to where I don't necessarily have to come up with a whole bunch of money? Right. I could probably go work uh, at, you know, a little corner store or 99 cent store or McDonald's or really kind of pay for the lifestyle that we have. That's just how low our expenses are uh, in comparison, so to speak. Well, probably not McDonald's, but you get my drift. So you can lighten your load. If you got a whole lot of stuff that's on you uh, that you're paying for every single month, you got two, three car notes, you got uh, a housing costs at 60 or 70 or 80% of your take-home pay, you know, maybe you want to think about lighting your load, right? Because you're real fragile right now. You're one missed paycheck from things getting real bad. Right. Uh, Invest when you invest, invest in tangible goods. Right. Real estate, uh, things that people are actually going to use, land, commodities, uh, oil, electricity. Uh, Some people start to invest in things like solar panels or even getting off grid altogether. Some people invest in their own gardens and be producing their own food. Right. So that's some food security right there. Um, Real estate, even your own home can help hedge against inflation. Right. Because. If inflation is going up and so are the housing costs are usually going up as well. So if you own a home, right, you may you may feel like 
you're making a bunch of money, right? So if you own your home and the uh, the value of your home doubles in 10, 15, 20 years, you may feel like you've made a bunch of money, but in reality, you probably just kept up with inflation, right? Which is important. So, uh, but other real estate, cash flowing real estate, if you are into the rental thing, if you want to get into the apartment uh, game, things like that, those are things that throw off cash flow to you that gives you an income and the values of those properties will likely keep up with inflation as well. Now, that's not always guaranteed. We we know that uh, not everything goes up in value all the time. That's why I recommend and if you if I when I'm investing in real estate, it's going to be for cash flow. All right. Not necessarily just the uh, the appreciation of it. Um, another way to, that we talked about, you know, investing in business that gives you income. Um, but invest in all types of cash flow and activities, invest in your career. Right. Maybe you want to get you a career coach. Uh, you want to invest in your education. Um, you want to invest in uh, finding out what markets are coming next. Will your job be replaced by a robot? Will your job be shipped overseas? Are there some jobs you can or some skills you can obtain right now that can't be shipped overseas or that will be in great demand in the coming future? Right. You need to be thinking about those things, not only for yourself, but also for your children. How are you preparing your children for a world that's ever changing? And our world is changing at faster paces than it ever has before. Uh, one of the reasons why uh, our families or our moms and grandparents' uh, definitions or advice when it comes around money doesn't work very much is because back then they could save money and be okay with in retirement. Today, we can't save money and be in retirement, right? Today's savings is like investing in a 401k, right? That's the new savings. Why? Because if you put your money in the savings accounts for 15 to 20, 30 years or whatnot, and you're only getting a half percent, inflation is going at three to six to 10 percent. You're actually losing money. You look over in Europe, they got negative interest rates in their savings accounts. Right. Why is that the case? Well, they're trying to incentivize people to go out and spend because their economy is not doing very good. For some reason, we've gotten so addicted to consumerism that we feel like if we're not spending, the economy is not doing good. We don't think about production anymore. But the truth is, the only thing that really matters in the long run is production, right? Yes, the government, the, the there's people out there, they want you to spend money because when you spend money, that pays somebody else's paycheck, right? And that helps. But if you're spending money that you don't have, that doesn't help you, right? You let everybody else participate in that. And when this thing starts to fall apart and when when prices come down, you be prepared to jump on top of it. You be prepared to change your family tree. Don't do what the masses are doing. Find out what the masses are doing and go in the opposite direction. Now, don't get me wrong. We love to buy things. We love to look good, right? We we love to try to uh, keep up with the Joneses, so to speak. It makes us feel good, too. But if you really think about it, it only makes you feel good for a moment. And after that, he's like, man, I don't think I really want to do that. Right. These are distractions. We don't want to do that. But if you don't pay attention, inflation will eat you up. Inflation will rob your wealth because we're not paying attention to it. Right. We won't take the time to educate ourselves about money. Understanding what the velocity of money is all about. Understanding why savers are now the new losers. Right. You, you don't, and I'm not saying <laughs> not to save. I don't want nobody sending me no hate mail. You have to learn how to save, but you won't get rich by saving. But nobody who's ever gotten rich did it without learning how to save, 
right? So you need to learn how to save, but understand that these are seed, right? These are seed. It, the seed is useless if you don't plant the seed so it can give you a harvest, right? Remember the parable of the talents, one of my favorite stories in the Bible, right? I'm not going to get into that now because we've been already talking for 40-something minutes. But look it up, study it, understand that you have to take your seed, you have to take your gifts, and you have to take it and use it and multiply it. You have to plant the seed you have to water it. You have to nurture it so you can reap the fruit. And one seed always gives you more fruit. But if you hide your seed, if you deny that your seed is actually a seed and you put it in a box, you put it on your mattress, right? You're so afraid of losing it that you do nothing with it. You're going to end up losing it. You're going to end up losing it anyway. It's going to be taking, taken away from you, right? So having a financial education, utilizing your talents, being a productive person in, in, in a society and going after your dreams is no longer an option. You can't coast your way through life anymore. Them days is over, right? Think about it. Think about your progress in life. Think about it for your children's perspective. How many years would you give your child to pass up to third grade? Right? Her Jim Rome said is, why do you think they make those chairs so small? So you can't fit into them no more after a while. They need you to move on, right? Just like you expect your child to move on from first grade to second grade to third grade, all the way to graduate to high school and go to college and all that stuff. The game don't stop once you get out of college. What's your next level? What's your next grade you're going to go to? You put that pressure on your children, but are you putting that pressure on you? For your goals, for your dreams. Or did you graduate at 22, 23, got your job, maybe on your second or third job, and you're cool now, right? You made it. But here's the harsh reality. Things change. And you got to keep moving. Unless you're okay with the mediocre. Unless you're okay with the normal. Unless you're okay with the regular. That's fine. You shouldn't even be listening to me anyway, right? I'm probably going to offend you. But if you're interested in greatness, right, if you're interested in going to the next level, these are the things you want to be studying. These are the things you want to be paying attention to, right? Let your light shine because people out there waiting on you. People waiting on you. They, they are waiting on you to go after it. Hell, I'm waiting on you to go after it. Excuse my, excuse my language. I'm going to have to bleep that out. I'm waiting on you to go after it because I want you to go because I'm going, right? And I want you to come with me. Seriously, right? I'm not one of those people that's going to be lonely at the top. I promise you. <laughs> I'm not going to be lonely in any part of, of, the, of the journey, right? Because there's a way we can have it all, and I truly believe that. And I'm going to prove it if I got to prove it myself, right? So that's what I got for today, right? Inflation. Inflation is probably the biggest killer, right? The, be, the biggest silent killer that nobody talks about. It's the biggest tax that we have because it is a tax, right? Because the government, uh, they put it on you. You don't even see it. You don't even realize it. It just slowly boils you like that frog, <laughs> right? How can you get ahead of it? Lighten your load, right? Lighten your load. Get clear about the things that are important to you, 
And the things that are not, just let them go, right? Invest in things that are real, that people will need. That's housing, that's food, that's goods, things like that. Even gold. I've heard people, a lot of people invest in gold, right? Because gold is one of those things that, that hedges and floats with the dollar, right? Um, they said that an ounce of gold uh, back in 1950 could buy you a custom-made suit, right? An ounce of gold today can still buy you a custom-made suit because it's now at, what, $1,300, $1,500 an ounce or something like that. Start a business. Why? Because we talked about last week how that first silent killer is taxes. It's a big deal. And the second silent killer is inflation. Well, business helps you with both of those. If your taxes is your largest expense, it's going to be bigger than we than housing, food and clothing combined. You want to find out a way to minimize that. You want to find out a way to minimize that before you go try to coupon and just save a few cents here and there. Your taxes are your biggest deal. So if having a business gives you the biggest tax breaks, why not have a business? If having a business and controlling your own income will help you stay in front of inflation and beat inflation, why not have a business? You're already entrepreneurial, okay? You may need a little bit of guidance. You may need a little bit of direction. It's going to take some education, right? It's going to take some shifting in mindset, and you could do it. People do it all the time. Your first idea may not work. Maybe your first last five or six ideas you've tried didn't work. Don't worry about it. Keep going. How long will you give your child to learn how to walk? How long? You got a one-year-old who hasn't walked yet. When do you call it quits for that one-year-old? You say, you know what? You ain't got to worry. You ain't got to learn how to walk no more, baby. Don't worry about it. You just crawl out, carry you around the rest of your life. You wouldn't do that. So don't do that to yourself. Don't stop in that grade level called job. Go to the next level, right? Invest in cash flowing things and then finally get the education, 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 education. I can't stress that enough. And I'm not necessarily talking about going to school or going to get another degree or get an MBA or anything like that in business. They're not going to teach you how to start a business in, in, in a university. Right. You learn how to do that through trial and error and learn from people who already have businesses. We talked about that in uh, it's, uh, uh, the education uh, episode we did. Right. Some places where you can go get free education, uh, places you can get ideas, um, find uh, mentors and entrepreneurs and stuff like that to learn how to do this stuff. Right. So those are things we could do. Hope that was helpful. If it was, do me a favor, head over to iTunes and give us a rating and review and share this with at least one person you think that could benefit from it or maybe one person you want to talk to about it start this conversation right i really do believe that we're not very good with money because we don't talk about money it's become such a taboo deal but it's so important to life we got to talk about it and not just on this podcast but talk about it with your spouse talk about it with your parents talk about it with your kids talk about money make this thing regular make this thing normal And when we could do that, we can get ideas. We won't be afraid of it. We won't try to avoid it anymore. And we can use it to empower ourselves because that's the key, right? It's all about financial empowerment. So with that being said, thank you so much for listening. I truly do appreciate it. I love you and God bless.